This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Free FM 89.0. Now we present Big Things Ahead, a Free FM series in which Paul Barlow tackles the big things facing Kirikiriroa Hamilton. The Three Waters reforms, representation, growth, infrastructure, iwi and youth participation in decision making, and climate change. For more episodes of Big Things Ahead, visit freefm.org.nz, Spotify or Apple Podcasts and search for Big Things Ahead. Kia ora and welcome to Big Things Ahead, a new series here on Free FM where we look at some of the big issues that are facing Kirikiriroa Hamilton that are going to change the way the city looks, feels and grows in the future. I'm Paul Barlow and in this week's episode we're going to be looking at Māori representation, which is an area that a lot of people get very passionate about and often get the wrong end of the stick about as well. It's an area that every council has agreed that they need to work better on but have never been able to find a way to do it that keeps everybody happy. And it's an area that can, unfortunately, bring out some incredibly horrible racist backlash. So we're going to be looking this week at Māori representation in Kirikirirā Hamilton specifically to get an idea as to why it's taken so long to get these changes on board, what some of these changes could mean, and how we got to a point where it's only just now something that can really be looked at without causing too many issues. So let's start with the basics. At the 2022 election, there'll be two extra seats available around the council table, giving a total of 14 councillors and one mayor. Six of those seats will be run either ward, so east ward and west ward. Two of those seats, the two dedicated Māori seats, will be elected at large throughout the whole city, and the mayor will be elected at large over the whole city. Those two Māori seats will be elected by people who are on the Māori roll. Simple as that. However, you don't need to be on the Māori roll to run in those seats. Anyone can run in them, but it will be Māori voters who get to choose who the winner of those seats are that will represent them around that now enlarged council table. Getting back to Māori representation, we also have something in Kirikiriroa Hamilton that's completely unique, and that is Māngai Māori. Māngai Māori is the use of experts in their field, so it might be transportation experts, for example, who also bring a uniquely Māori perspective to the table to be able to ensure that the work that's been put forward and the votes that are happening and and the way that Māori is represented in their council chambers is as authentic as possible while being based around expertise. It's not an elected position, and it's not paid like a city council is paid, because it's it's just it's people whose expertise are coming into play. Um, but that does bring up what Councillor Mark Bunting considers a potential problem. Because we, we brought that up when this whole rep review or the whole Māori Ward thing came up. We said, well, OK, all of a sudden you're going to have two Māori seats and we've got, about, I think, six Māngai Māori as well. Um, it's going to get to the point where there's actually almost, you know, ironically over-representation. Um, but um, we were told that's not on the table. We're not discussing it just yet. For me, that raises two really weird questions. The first one is actually a numbers question. 
if you've got a city of 165,000 people and population that's growing, is two seats out of 14 really representative of the 20% of the population who consider themselves Māori? It doesn't. Like it just statistically does not meet that requirement. At the same time, it raises issues around the Treaty of Waitangi, where it's, it's really hard to interpret exactly what that meant and how that can be interpreted when it comes to representation reviews, because everything changes and evolves, and that was written in the 1840s. It's obviously a little bit different these days to how things were back then. Um, Holly Snape from Community Waikato, for example, very keen on a 50-50 representation split. I think that's a good start, but I'd say it's not going to get us to 50% representation of Māori. Um. That actually brings me really nicely to my second point, and that's about how all of this is framed. It's very much framed as a them versus us kind of approach. In any argument against Māori seats, it's a them versus us approach. In any conversation around equal representation, it still feels like a them versus us approach. And that's actually because that's kind of how it was embedded in the law when it was written in 2002. With that law in 2002, it was decided that councils would be able to choose what electoral systems that they use, what their representation models were going to look like. They just had to be fairly about average for the size of the electorates that they were doing, but everything else was their choice. It was considered a decision that was non-controversial because it wasn't going to cost anything extra either way, and it was designed to try and give them the option to have fairer representation models put in place. This included things like SCV and Māori seats. That was actually put in at the specific request of the Bay of Plenty Council because they wanted to have that set up 20 years ago. They wanted to have that model in place. There are other places that were a little bit slower to jump the gun and Mark Servian has a really good theory behind why that is but also why it was dangerous. I kind of disagree with what he did with that bill, with that electoral bill, was he basically made it the councillor's decision each council's own decision as to what electoral system they would use. And that is that is right up I, – I understand what he was trying to do. It was about local control. But actually what he should have done was handed it to local electoral commissions because politicians should not be voting for the electoral – politicians should not be voting and designing electoral system. That is what happens in America. That's how you land up with a gerrymandered boundary system. We have an electoral commission – to, to design and run the system. We have a representation commission to make sure that electorates are all about the same size, you know. But at the local level, we say to the politicians who came out under one system, hey, would you like to change the system that got you elected? In 2002, when the late Rod Donald was drafting this new local government act, he actually had a couple of different things in mind for what he wanted to get across with it. There were things like amalgamations that they had to deal with and what the duties of each council was going to be that kind of fiddly stuff that got in the way of a whole bunch of big stuff. But he wanted to try and make sure that people were better represented around these councils. And he thought that by offering better representation, it would increase people's likelihood to go out there and get involved with their local councils. So he did that in two ways. First of all, he put in the option to allow people to choose between SCV and first past the post as their voting system. And secondly, he put in the provision for Māori representation. He felt, though, that if you had SCV, you wouldn't need Māori representation. Or if you couldn't get STV to work, then Māori representation was all that you would need to be able to get that balance. So essentially, the two provisions that were there were not designed to work together. 
there were two options to try and get the same result. Hamilton City Council has now, though, adopted both of those. STV will be the next voting system, and Māori representation is a fact that's coming through with it. And in a way, it's trying to play catch-up a little bit here, because these decisions usually go out to referendums, referendums take time, and the status quo tends to win in a referendum. It took some bold initiative to actually go out and vote for these changes, and Everybody on council voted unanimously for Māori seats. It's fantastic news. The biggest problem that I've had, though, particularly trying to put this together, when you're working with politics and politicians and you're trying to put a a big podcast like this together, you come across the really undeniable fact that the majority of people that you're dealing with have very little melanin in their skin, and it becomes really clearly obvious. Now, at the same time, when you want people to comment on Māori representation, it's something that we are acutely aware of is a very fine line. And honestly, every single person I've spoken to so far has given me almost the exact same line about why they do not want to have an opinion on this particular issue. Why do they not want an opinion on Māori representation? It's actually kind of strange to watch. We've got to have that discussion with our with our partners, uh, with Tainui and uh, and um, and Whenua and, and um, Matawaka, etc., to get their feelings on it. Look, it, it does to a certain extent, probably not as well as they would like. Well, if it's if it's just Maori voters choosing their representatives, then I wouldn't really want to tell them which option would be better for them. I think as much consistency as possible is desirable. Uh, but if those who uh, choose to be on the Maori role, because they obviously have the option to be on that or to come onto the general role, have a strong view that it should be um, one represented for the East and one for the West, then I can live with that. Uh, I don't think that that will really affect the majority of electors who are on the general role. That is something that should be determined by Māori, not not by the system and certainly not by Pākehā because Māori have completely different um, systems of governance as well and they will have uh, very good reasons for how or why a system should be set up the way it is. And, and to be perfectly honest, I just don't think I'm the person to comment on that because I, I don't know enough about it and I'm not invested like enough in, in terms of my own whakapapa. So people are understandably a little concerned about putting a foot out of line essentially, but there's also a very real realisation that while change is really important, that change has to be led by people who it's going to affect the most. And that can be a really difficult line to basically get your head around when you're involved with it so directly. So when it comes to actually changing the system to, to do anything, really, not just Māori representation, but any system change, there's always going to be a case for whether or not you stick with the status quo because it's safer and because it doesn't feel like you are then making a decision for other people, or whether or not you look at those bold changes and you do what you can to actually get out there and make a fairer, more equitable system for people. Now, equitable is actually a really big issue here as well, because a lot of people seem to mix up what is equality and what is equitable under an equal system, essentially, which is what a lot of people against Māori wards say uh, or are voting for. It's that everybody should get in on their own merits because everybody is created equal. If you've got good ideas, if you've got great potential, then people will see that no matter the colour of your skin, the location that you're in, or what it is that you stand for. 
equity is about ensuring that those people who the system doesn't quite work for at the moment are given a hand up to be able to create a more equal system for people. And that's really obvious outside of politics, actually, when you look at something like the vaccine rollout, where there's been a lot of criticism around the government's blanket approach to making sure everybody hits 90% of the vaccination rate. Whereas that particular approach isn't equitable towards Maori and Pacific Islanders. It tends to leave them behind because their communities that they're working with have been a lot more resistant to that particular change. Equity versus equality is a really big part of the argument for and against Māori representation. However, it's also really important to note that a lot of this discourse around Māori representation is, at its core, inherently racist. Now, racism is one of those ugly terms that people don't want to look at or admit that they might be part of the problem. And that in itself is part of the problem. Uh, you might have noticed a lot of the framing so far around any conversations to do with Māori representation is very much a them versus us type of representation argument. And that's an awful way of dealing with it. Um, I wanted to get to the bottom of this because as a middle-aged white guy, it's not something that I personally have experienced firsthand. So I sat down and I chatted with Dr. Will Flavel, Napuhi Nati Fatua Nati Maniapoto. He is the first Maori representative elected to the Henderson Massey Local Board in Tamaki Makoto, Auckland. And as such, he's got a bit of weight on his shoulders about making sure that representation works for everybody within his community. Uh, as a former student at the University of Waikato, he's certainly got experience within Hamilton. And sitting down and chatting to him about what actually happened when he first got elected really personifies me. It really solidifies just how institutionalized racism can be when it comes to local authority elections. Um, when I first got elected to Auckland Council back in 2013, you know, bearing in mind, very few, if any, Māori elected to council, um, at the council chambers, um, you know, I was asked if I was in the right place. Um, this person hadn't known who I was and I was expecting the new people to come along. So there, there was that particular side. And I remember another uh, meeting in Auckland, Auckland City where uh, we had a meeting for all elected members and the lady at the administration office said, oh, you must be from the Māori Independent, you know, the Independent Māori Statutory Board. And I told her, no, I'm actually elected uh, to Auckland Council. So, you know, a lot of people um, make assumptions. Assumptions are quite dangerous. And my goal really is to disrupt that. And while institutional racism like that is really a problem when it comes to getting people to stand up to be represented in any particular community, um, it, it feels much more apparent to Māori and to anybody who is the, the victim of racism, just how ingrained it can be. Um, I asked Dr. Will outright, is New Zealand a racist country? There, there, there are definitely elements of racism um, across Aotearoa and, and, and as Māori, we definitely see that, see that every day, absolutely. Yeah, definitely elements of racism. And actually with COVID-19, um, you know, we've seen a lot of non-Māori who are saying, you know, why do Māori need special treatment in terms of, you know, achieving equity in health? You know, for example, um, how do we support, you know, different communities need different um, support um, services. And so people are questioning that. Um, yeah, so there are, there, are diff there are obviously many instances where we've seen racism exist in our, in our, across our communities. Yeah. 
a lot of the sort of feedback that came through with the representation review questions back in October, when the idea of Māori representation was first floated, is based on an idea of people not understanding the difference between equality and equitable behaviour or equitable treatment. Equality is essentially everybody is created equal, but equitable treatment means that those that have suffered and have had problems with the current system are given an extra helping hand to ensure that they can create that equality properly within their systems. And it's really clear within Aotearoa just how bad that is when you look at statistics around health services, education, the criminal justice system. Māori represent the worst parts and statistics within those organisations because the treatment for Māori hasn't been equitable. The aim is to achieve equity and that what that means, you know, and, and I look at it from definitely from a health perspective because that's so quite obvious, is that um, there, are diff- there, is a, there are still differences in the life expectancy of Māori and, and non-Māori. So what do we need to do in terms of achieving equity? Um, what specific services do Māori need to be able to, um, to be able to, um, to be healthy, to be wealthy and to be successful without sacrificing their, their own Māori identity? And we look, if we look at inequality, oh well, I mean, inequalities exist. Um, and COVID-19, for example, has really shown that. So we look at uh, the digital divide, you know, last year during lockdown, I spoke, I spoke to a South Auckland principal of a high school who said that uh, they had one digital device for the whole family. How on earth are, are our kids, particularly from um, more disadvantaged backgrounds, are able to, I mean, they live in overcrowded conditions, they have limited resources, um, you know, internet access, power access, you know, that all contributes, and so that, that shows the inequality that many of our more disadvantaged families face across Tamaki Makoto. Right, now I want to point out one of the reasons that I spoke to Dr. Will about this whole thing, the, the, the whole Māori representation issues, particularly in Kirikiriroa Hamilton, uh, and not somebody who is based in Kirikiriroa Hamilton. Um, there's actually a couple of different reasons for it. For a start, there is nobody in the city that has this sort of experience because we have not elected any Māori representative at all for nearly 150 years, which is, honestly, it's horrifying. It, it really is horrifying. Um, then there's the fact that when it comes to Māori representation within the city, there's always a bit of a backlash to it. Um, we often see it when you see reviews and that come out and you get public feedback. There will be people who are vehemently against the idea of trying to create equitable circumstances to get that representation because they don't see it as equality. They might see it as something racist, which is completely the wrong end of the spectrum, but ultimately they're not, not seeing the big picture. But the other reason is Dr. Will is an expert in these things. As an educator, as an elected representative, um, he's got these experiences that I can't find within the region. And at the same time, he actually works with the Labour Party at the moment, chairing their criminal justice review process. So looking at the policies that the party is going to put forward as policy for the next election. So he's really intrinsically linked into a whole bunch of areas that for him help bring his people up and give them that equitable treatment so they can create equality in the systems that are in place at the moment, while hopefully changing those systems a little bit as well as the perception that people have of those systems. So I thought he was a fantastic voice to get on here. So at the next local body election, things are going to be a bit different to what you see 
over the past few elections. While the City Council has decided to retain a two-ward system for your general seats, it's got an at-large system in place for the mayoralty as well as the two Māori seats. Now, when it comes to trying to get equitable representation under an STV system, larger or smaller is the better option. Going large is going to give you better representation across the city, which means that your Māori seats, in theory, should be better representations of the people on the Māori roll who are voting in those particular seats. You get a fairer, equitable outcome from that particular election style. Not so much so for your smaller wards. Your two-ward system is of the options that were put on the table actually the worst under STV, according to Mark Servian, which is in a whole other episode on STV versus first-past-the-post that you can download now. When it comes to what's equitable and fair, though, there's a whole bunch of questions around how the public are going to perceive the outcomes, as well as what are the costs that are involved in this. It's expensive to run for council. And when you're running at large, where you've got to have signage and branding and everything like that across an entire city, that's a really tough thing to get right and not have to spend a ton of money on. And automatically, we've got two Māori potential councillors who have that extra expense that if you're running in an individual ward, you don't have. So I asked Dr. Will again, what are some sort of ways that you can work around that? Not forgetting, he was elected under a first-past-the-post system in a predominantly Pākehā area and not on a specific Māori seat. He's been brought in under a general seat. So I thought his insights into this would be really helpful for candidates that were looking at running for those Māori seats at the next local body election. I have a lot. Yeah, lots of ways. Where do I start? Yeah, so it's really important to be well-known in the community, and that could be things like your service to the community. I think that's really important. Um, that could be, you know, picking a few issues in the community that you believe needs to be advocated on. I think that's really important. Um, having a really good relationship with your local media, so your local newspapers, for example, to be able to get your views and opinions out there. You know, I mean, with, with Māori communities, um, it depends on where they live as well and ensuring that you have an understanding of the local marae in the area, you know, Māori families in particular, like uh, like sports. So that's where I, I, I love to be, for example. So our rugby fields, our league fields, always have Māori whānau there. And all our, all our cultural events, our kapahaka events, our matariki events, our waitangi events are really important places to go and visit and see how our Kumari communities feel. So just have to get heavily involved in the community too. So ultimately, what's the outcome of all of this? And does it really make a difference? And the answer is the outcome is more equitable for everybody involved. The city council has raised the number of people sitting around that table and better representation is always good. Two of those people are going to be a very specific community that are not just a large community within Kirikiriroa. They're partners in terms of the treaty and in terms of the way that this country is laid out. So it's really important that they've got a say and that the people that are putting them there, the ones on the Māori roll, are the people that are the most invested in outcomes for Māori specifically. And one of the things you need to remember as well, which I'd honestly completely forgotten, was that the number of people on the Māori roll are not everybody who represents themselves as Māori. So it is smaller than the 20% of the total population of Kirikiriroa. And the, the layout of around that table now is actually much more in balance with where people sit between the general role and the Māori role. The big goal at the end of this is more participation in local democracy, and that's always a really good thing to aim for. And the reason it's a really good thing to aim for is because people don't realise 
just how much the decisions that these people make around that council table affect us on a day-to-day basis. It could be things like your rubbish collection. And trust me, we've got a whole bunch of stuff on rubbish collection coming up. You're not going to believe some of the mess that comes up with that. But it's also about making sure that things like your water's working fine, your roads are fine, your public transport's in place, that you're working on climate change issues. And there's a whole bunch of different factors that come into play here. By ensuring that you've got Māori representation around the table, no matter on whether or not you think it's equal or equitable or just plain right or wrong, you're ensuring that you've got a diversification of voices and diversification of opinions. And that is a really key part to ensuring that what you're getting as an end result is better for the population as a whole. Uh, I think it's probably summed up best by Hamilton Mayor Paula Southgate. I asked you really specifically, what now that everything is signed off, are you hoping that the outcomes of this representation change is going to bring to Kitty Kitty Roa Hamilton? Well, at the end of the day, all of this is uh, designed to get greater levels of community engagement uh, at all levels of what we do. But of course, the first chance and the biggest chance they have to um, have a say is in choosing who they're representatives are on council. One of the other things that's really important to remember about any type of Māori representation is that there are always going to be some really loud voices in the room who argue against it. And to be fair, most of those arguments are, when boiled right down to it, plain old racist. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen to them and that they're going to make the noise anyway. And listening to what the complaints are from a racist perspective allows you to create an argument against it. The idea of one rule for one and one rule for another is, at its really core basics, a horrible way to look at things. Where the system that the City Council has decided upon, the changes that they've decided to make, are designed around creating a much more equitable system to ensure that Māori voices are heard around not just the decision-making tables that lead up to the council table, not just māngai Māori bringing in their expertise, but also cultural perspectives and environmental perspectives, and most importantly, local perspectives. Those are, at the very core, why we need to have greater representation across the board. STV is designed to help do that, Māori seats are designed to do that. And while the two were never really designed to work together, or we'd be used side by side, they are both fantastic tools at the disposal now of councils to be able to make these changes. And law changes back in April that stopped this having to go to a a referendum or having that as an option have really helped ensure that councils can step up. At the next local body election, 22 of the 67 local authorities around the country, so just on a third of them, will now have dedicated Māori representation within their council. And that is a fantastic start to ensuring that we've got an equal partnership with treaty partners, that everybody feels like they're being listened to, and that everybody feels like they've got some sort of feedback going into the place that that everyone calls home. And ultimately, I think we all need to remember that no matter who gets elected and how they get elected, Everybody who gets elected is there for the same purpose. It is there to make our home a far better place than it was the day before yesterday. And I'm sure that these changes are going to do just that. 
I think that's pretty much me for this episode. Don't forget, you can download this episode along with the other episodes of Big Things Ahead over at freefm.org.nz. Or if you want to, check them out on whatever podcast platform it is that you're using. Super easy to find everything that you need there. Um, I'll be back with another episode on climate change next week, uh, which you'll also be able to download from that website or from your podcasting places, where you'll find that some of the things that are, are quite scary about Hamilton in terms of climate change change of things that we can't even control, like the fact the largest polluter in the country is based on London Street. That kind of stuff is really sort of scary when you think about it, and that's why climate change is so important. So make sure you tune in next week for that or download the episode. Until then, I hope you have a fantastic week. We've given you something to think about, and don't forget to like, share, do whatever you can to get the word out about this particular episode. Until then, have a great week. For more episodes of Big Things Ahead, visit freefm.org.nz, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Big Things Ahead is a free FM podcast. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.